1: This story has absolutely nothing to do with what I want to talk about on the show today, but it is so funny. Reuters did a study, and when I say a study, they actually did work, to trace back the ancestry of all the living US presidents, plus members of Congress, plus members of the US Senate, in order to determine which high-ranking politicians in our country are descended from slave owners. Now. You might be thinking this is the most critical race theory thing I've ever heard, and you would be absolutely correct about that. But listen to this statistic. This is what Reuters found. And just a little forewarning here, if it turned out differently than it did, you'd be seeing a lot more headlines about it. So there are how many living U.S. presidents right now? There's Biden, there's Obama, there's Bush, there's Clinton, there's Jimmy Carter, and there is Trump. That's six U.S. presidents, living U.S. presidents. And this is what Reuters found. President Joe Biden and every living former U.S. president except Donald Trump are direct descendants of slaveholders, Jimmy Carter, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and through his white mother's side, even Barack Obama. Trump's ancestors, however, came to America after slavery was abolished. Let me repeat that, my friends. Every living U.S. president except Donald Trump has descended from slave owners. You, th- you have to think about what it must have been like in the Reuters meetings, planning this little piece, planning this research, because this was like digging back into Ancestry. Digging back, that's, that's a lot of research. It's a lot of work to do that. Anybody who's even signed up for Ancestry.com or one of those do-it-yourself sites knows how much work this is. They must have been like, man, if only we could get Trump on this. If only we could prove that the Democrats aren't related to slave owners and the Republicans are, this would just be, oh man, this would be a slam dunk. And instead, Donald Trump is the only U.S. president who is not descended from slave owners. His mother was born in Scotland. She married a German immigrant. And so Trump is actually, Trump's family is relatively new to our country. But every other president, living U.S. president, including Barack Obama, the nation's first black president, is a descendant, is a descendant of slave owners. And then of course we have elected officials in the U.S. representatives, the U.S. House, and the U.S. Senate. Republican Senators Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Tom Cotton, and James Langford descend from slave owners, as do Democrats like Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Tammy Duckworth, Jean Shaheen, and Maggie Hassan. I have to tell you, I laughed pretty hard. This is, this is a pretty rough day for Elizabeth Warren. I mean, finds out she's not Native American, and then finds out that she's a descendant of slave owners, her entire identity, just like a ball, like a rock through a glass window here. If we are playing by the rules of critical race theory, my friends, if we are playing by the rules that everyone is racist based, every white person is racist based not on their thoughts and their feelings and the content of their character, but only based on their skin color because they benefit from the institutions of white supremacy that were built before them by other white people, then can we be expecting an apology from, you know, Bill Clinton and Joe Biden and Barack Obama even, for perpetuating systems of white supremacy, since they clearly benefited from the oppression of others. I guess we'll just have to sit here and wait and see. In Las Vegas, an armed civilian stopped an attempted shooter. We can only assume, I suppose, that this attempted shooter would have been a mass shooter. He was carrying an AR-15. He was wearing some kind of military style helmet and he broke in this this attempted shooter broke into a luxury condominium complex called Turnberry towers and he shot through the glass in the front doors he entered there were there were two sets of doors as there often are in luxury buildings it's like you enter the first doors and then there's a little atrium or a little lobby and you enter the second doors he shot through the att- the attempted shooter shot through the doors the first set of doors, he then went through the second set of doors, and if you're watching security footage of this, which we will in just a minute, I just want you to know what's going to happen, you see very quickly after he enters the second set of doors, this attempted shooter comes stumbling back through the hole that he had shot through the glass, stumbling all the way out the first set of doors onto the sidewalk, Um, and then you see him begin to crumble. He, He falls down. On, onto the pavement. This, this is the video. There's no audio that comes with this. This is just security footage from the condominium. So let's bring this up and I'll, I'll walk you through what we're watching here. You can see shots fired through the glass here. You see this shooter then come back. He's wearing a helmet, he's carrying an AR-15, and then suddenly, suddenly a whole bunch of bullets are aimed at him and he collapses onto the floor. So what exactly did we see there? Well, we saw an armed civilian, what turns out to be uh, reportedly a mailroom employee who was armed, who confronted this shooter before he, who knows what this guy had planned, we don't know yet exactly what he had planned, if this was random, if this was a targeted attack, who this was. This armed civilian stopped him and turned him away, and this attempted shooter was unable to harm anyone. The only person that ultimately ended up hurt was the attempted shooter was the attempted shooter this is you'd think that this would be a headline across the country you'd think we'd all be talking about this because we are facing in our country it is a fact that we are facing a, what could be even described as an epidemic we are we are experiencing a spate of mass shootings this is something that we did not experience 50 years ago we are experiencing this cultural phenomenon now and we are having discussions about how we should stop this the left is obviously advocating for stupid policies like taking guns away from civilians. Meanwhile, we have a civilian who is legally armed stopping an attempted shooter, which is what you and I advocate for. So perhaps that's the answer right there about why we are not seeing this in the headlines. The Las Vegas Police Department's being super shady about this. A journalist by the name of Amy Swearer from the Daily Signal reached out to ask the police department for more details about who this armed civilian was, what kind of firearm he used, just the, the details that the police would have. Um, that we do not have. We have only this footage from the from the security tape. And the Las Vegas Police Department is refusing to confirm what even happened. They won't even confirm that this man, this attempted shooter was shot, even though we can see our own eyes on the security footage plain as day that that's what happened. Very shady. In fact, kind of a reminder that the Las Vegas Police Department is the same police department that suspiciously could not solve Uh, the mass murderer Steven Paddock couldn't find an ideology, couldn't find a motivator after he murdered 60 people in Las Vegas. But this is the kind of story that should be headlining because this civilian is a hero.
0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No process prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Okay, so the story of the day clearly is this video that CNN obtained. I love that word when journalists use it. Oh, they just obtained footage. No, somebody gave it to you and we should all be asking who was it that gave you this footage? The footage that I'm talking about is CNN aired footage of, it's actually an audio recording. They aired an audio recording of President Trump at Mar-a-Lago talking to one or two of his staffers about classified documents that he had at Mar-a-Lago that it appears, or audibly, I suppose, we can hear that Trump didn't believe that these documents were declassified at the time that he was sharing them with his staffers who did not have Uh, classified document clearance. They didn't have security clearance. CNN airs this and they say, oh, this is a bombshell. This is crazy. And what I want to do right now is I want to walk you through exactly how I'm thinking about this, exactly how I'm unpacking this. Because as someone who has sat here at this table and analyzed all of these different attacks on Trump since basically the moment he came down that that escalator, sometimes when the left is very strategic and they release a soundbite like this, our first reaction, even those of us who are skeptical of the Department of Justice, even those of us who understand that most of these attacks on Trump have turned out to be false attacks, we can hear a selectively edited, cherry-picked bit of conversation like this audio, and we can think, oh wow, is that bad? Did, did the Department of Justice actually find something on Trump? Finally, it, is this a smoking gun? And that can be our first reaction, even if we are conservative, even if we are Trump supporters. And so what I wanna do is I wanna walk you through exactly how I think about that because I'm not immune to this either. I, I listened to this and I thought, oh wow, let me think about this for a second. Is this something that we should be concerned about or is it not? So without further ado, let's listen to this and then break it down.
3: Bad, sick people. That, but- was, that was your cue, you know? The, ...against you. That's well, it started the, right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you oh. were going to try to do a... kick. No, they, they were right. trying to do that before you even were sworn in. That's right, no, trying yeah. to overthrow yeah. your election. Well, with Milley... Uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's see here. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm-hmm. Except it is, like, highly confidential yeah. secret. <laughs> this is secret information. Yeah. But look, look at this. You attack. And Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. <laughs> she <laughs> send it. No, she'd send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner, yeah. Yeah. the pervert. Um, He's pretty- by the way, isn't that incredible? Though? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it. <laughs> and, you know, he said, he wanted to attack Iran and what. Yeah. He's in you the papers. Did. Oh, this was done by the military, given to me. Right. Uh, I but think we can probably, right? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out like, a, a, yeah. See, as president, I could have de-classified, yeah. now I can't, you know, but this is <laughs> Yeah, class, now you know. we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so I'm cool. Good. I mean, it's so — look, we here and I have a — and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, also. I believe it's you. It's incredible. Right. Hey, bring some uh, bring some cokes in, please.
1: Okay, so first we have to understand what the allegation is, like why this video is supposed to be a bombshell. The allegation, this is not just from CNN, the charges against Trump brought by the special counsel, Jack Smith, who was appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland, are that Trump had classified documents at Mar-a-Lago that he had no right to possess, that he was in violation of the Espionage Act for refusing to turn over classified information when the National Archives asked him for it and when they they sent requests for it. This is the criminal allegation that has been brought against Trump. Trump's defense, of course, is that as president, he has the right to declassify any document and he had a standing order to declassify documents when he brought them to Mar-a-Lago. In addition to that, under the Presidential Records Act, which is the act that arguably governs how presidents handle information, their records from when they were president after they were president, under existing legal precedent related to the Presidential Records Act, this is actually from a case that governed Bill Clinton keeping classified information on audio tapes in his sock drawer of all places, uh, a assumedly sorted place for, (laughs) for any classified information to exist, that presidents are the sole arbiter of what what, um, what can be labeled as their personal effects when they leave office. They can decide which documents are theirs and which belong to the government. This is existing legal precedent, whether or not the left agrees with it. That's Trump's defense. So the reason that CNN is, is portraying this video to be bombshell is because they say, well, in this video, Trump admits that the documents that he not only is um, in possession of, but is showing to someone without security clearance are currently classified, which they say contradicts his argument that that he is only in possession of documents that were declassified and that he was the sole arbiter of what was classified or not and what belongs to him after his presidency. It is his official post-presidential office, remember, at Mar-a-Lago. His residence is secured by the Secret Service. He's allowed to have records from when he was president. So all that being said, that is the allegation against Trump. So how do we as conservatives think of this? How do we as Republicans think of this? Is Trump in the wrong here? Is this tape a bombshell tape?
0: Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: You remember those leaked transcripts of Michael Flynn, General Michael Flynn's discussion with The Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak, this is at the very beginning. It's actually before President Trump was sworn into office. This was just during the transition period when it was President-elect Trump and how the somebody, who exactly was it, leaked these conversations between Michael Flynn and Sergei Kislyak and accused Michael Flynn and by, by association, the Trump administration, of inappropriately discussing policy with a foreign nation before they had taken office. And this led ultimately to Michael Flynn being ousted from his position as national security advisor. Those conversations had been intercepted by the NSA. It was highly, highly classified information. Who leaked that information to the public? How did you and I, sitting here without security clearance, how did we get access to that? Oh, because somebody mishandled classified information. Was that person prosecuted for it? If not... Why not? What about that the the classified briefing that FBI Director James Comey gave to President Trump about this allegation of Russia collusion that somehow just a day after he had briefed Trump got to CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post. What about that classified information? Who exactly leaked that classified information to those mainstream outlets? And was that person, hint, hint, Jim Comey, was he prosecuted for mishandling classified information? Was Brennan? Prosecuted for mishandling classified information? What about when Leon Panetta gave classified information about the US Navy SEAL's raid of the Bin Laden compound when he gave that information to the producers of that movie Zero Dark Thirty? Was he prosecuted for mishandling that classified information? What about David Petraeus, the CIA director under Obama, when he gave the most highly classified type of information about our covert human assets? to his lover, the woman that he was being unfaithful to his wife with, was he prosecuted for mishandling classified information? What about Hillary Clinton? When she had highly classified information, again, about human assets on her unsecured email server in a closet, in a bathroom closet in New York, was she prosecuted? What about Joe Biden when he had classified information in his Corvette, next to his Corvette in his garage, where Hunter Biden, who was who was shaking down Chinese business people for money based on his father's position as government, had access. We saw the picture of Hunter Biden with that same Corvette that was parked next to the classified information. Were any of these people prosecuted for mishandling classified documents? The answer to that is no. No, they weren't, and neither was the so-called whistleblower during the Ukraine impeachment who leaked a classified readout of a conversation President Trump had with Ukrainian President Zelensky because that whistleblower didn't agree with the policy, the political policy, that President Trump was enacting on that phone call. None of these people were prosecuted for mishandling classified information. So my reaction to this video is this is from the Department of Justice, the government, the US government leaked this video to CNN. Why did they do that? They leaked this video in order to influence the jury pool. They are trying to trick you and me and everyone else into thinking that Trump did something wrong, to bias the jurors so that they can convict President Trump and send him to prison. This is a violation of President Trump's constitutionally protected rights to a fair trial. President Trump's attorneys, on the basis of this video being leaked to CNN, should demand that this case be dismissed for prosecutorial misconduct. He cannot have a fair trial when the government, Merrick Garland's Department of Justice, is this from Jack Smith, the special counsel? Where did this come from? Who gave this classified document, this undercover video to CNN? It's not like CNN was in the room. Who gave this information? President Trump, by the way, even if he was discussing classified information, he didn't give it to the media, did he? He was talking about it in his presidential office in Mar-a-Lago to one other person who leaked it. One other person. And every person right now in Washington, D.C., every Democrat clutching their pearls, every Republican rhino, never Trumper, clutching their pearls, knows the truth of this. We have an overclassification problem of information in Washington, D.C. There might have been a time in our nation's history where classified documents were actually secrets that needed to be protected, but now every piece of information in Washington, D.C. is classified. It's classified to compartmentalize information so that there is no transparency for us, the American people, so that our government officials can hide things for us on the basis of classification. If our enemies knew it, then then it would harm us. So you can't know it because then our enemies would know it too. But let me tell you, everybody clutching their pearls right now knows the truth, that classified information is currency in Washington DC, that every media head acting like this is such a smoking gun against President Trump, has actively talked about classified information with some government employee, some swamp creature. And every swamp creature who thinks that President Trump should go to jail for this has given away classified information to the media. So the reaction to this video, once again, like everything else about this indictment of President Trump, this witch hunt against President Trump should actually be turned on its head. This is not a smoking gun. This is just evidence of the bias, the corruption, the rot, the poison that exists in our Department of Justice right now. And if it can be aimed at President Trump, you bet it can be aimed at you and at me. And by the way, this is the same Department of Justice that is not saying a word about the sitting president of the United States admitting that he sold state secrets. Yes, admitting that he sold state secrets. This is President Joe Biden. Take a look at this.
3: I was just thinking, uh, uh, the, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared.
1: Oh, I, saw, I, I started without you. I sold a lot of state secrets and shared a lot of things. Yeah, Joe, we know, we know you did. We know that you've been part of this corruption scheme where you use your son to shake down foreign entities tied to sometimes communist dictatorships in order to profit your family. We know you've been selling secrets. But thank you, thank you for admitting this. And if this doesn't show you, if this doesn't show the American people the double standard at the Department of Justice, then I don't know what
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: You know, I absolutely love when there are situations that serve as as a litmus test for politicians and we have one before us. I absolutely love it. I love when there's a situation and you can look at your elected representative or your senator or a candidate for office and you can say, based only on your reaction to this one scenario, I can tell whether you have what it takes, whether you're a fighter, whether you're based, whether you know what you're talking about or whether you're just like a loser rhino establishment squish. This is one of those circumstances, my friends. This is one of those situations. So the Democrats in Congress have presented, they've introduced a new piece of legislation that they're hoping that will become law. This bill is titled the Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act. It was introduced just this week on Monday in the House of Representatives by, and this will come as no surprise, by California Representative Ted Lieu. you might not be able to tell what the bill is all about from the very euphemistic title here, the Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act. But what it actually is, is it is a bill that intends to ban conversion therapy. Now, when I say ban conversion therapy, a lot of people will say, oh, Liz, let's not, let's not tiptoe into this one. Let's not, this is an uncomfortable topic. Let's not be, let's not be too intolerant. Let's not be, let's not be exclusionary here. Let's not be, let's not be this way. Let me tell you that. This is a litmus test for our politicians because what does the left like to do when they talk about conversion therapy? They like to associate in our minds, this is what they try to make us think of, they try to make us think of those abusive, pray-the-gay-away camps where teenagers, young teenage pubescent boys are sent by their evil Bible-thumping parents and the gay is beaten out of these young men. That's what the left wants us to think of when we think of conversion therapy because nobody supports that. Everybody condemns that. Everyone condemns abuse, child abuse, except the left that wants to trans kids, but that's a topic for a different day. But these abusive pray the gay away camps or isolated incidences of abuse of young people with same-sex attraction, unfortunately have happened in our country before, not on a widespread basis, but just enough that the left can associate or tries to associate that image of that abuse with the idea of conversion therapy. This is not true. This is an inaccurate characterization of this bill. And this is how you can tell if your elected representative knows what they're talking about and is willing to fight the culture the culture war, the cultural battles over social issues. Because what this bill actually does or would do if it became law is it bans counseling or therapy, voluntary counseling or therapy if this therapy has the intention to change sexual orientation and or gender identity. Now that's pretty critical, right? That's pretty critical. You can be sitting here and think, well, you can't really change your same-sex attraction, or you might be sitting here thinking that you can. I don't care what you believe. It actually doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter if you think that that's hokey. It doesn't matter if you think that it's real. Adults should have a right to do that sort of thing if they want. I mean, there was literally an apparatus that was once sold, it was like a rocking chair with a belt that you wrapped around your waist and it jiggled and this thing was sold and it was sold under um, the pretension of being a fat jiggler that you could lose weight if you sat in this rocking chair. In our country, we are allowed to sell stupid products, right? So that's the sexual orientation part of it. You can believe that talk therapy can change sexual orientation or you can believe that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not for the federal government to tell people that they're not allowed to do stupid things. Every life coach in our country would be banned if we wanted to ban stupid things that didn't work. That's the first part. But more importantly, the second part is about gender identity. If a type of counseling where someone who feels gender dysphoric is talking to a counselor, say about trauma they've experienced in the past that they believe feeds into their feelings of disassociation with their biological sex, and they believe that unpacking this trauma and trying to heal this trauma or cope with this trauma will change how they feel about their own body, that could be banned under this bill. Because this bill is not about banning child abuse. It's not about banning abusive pray the gay away camps. This is about codifying the transgender ideology into law in our nation so that there are no other options for your children or even for adults after they've been groomed by TikTok, after they've been groomed by the public school system, if they have bought into being non-binary or transgender, there's no other option but to put them on the fast track to pharmaceutical hormone therapy and bodily mutilation surgery. This, is, this It's a test, it is a litmus test. Any Republican that supports this bill, any Republican that votes in favor of this bill should be kicked out of office. Any Republican that buys into this is too stupid to serve in the United States government. They are too stupid to represent you. They're stooges to the Democrats who are lying to us. Absolute stooges. The American Medical Association, this is their quote, they say, professional consensus rejects pathologizing sexual and gender identities In addition, empirical evidence has demonstrated a diversity of sexual and gender identities that are normal variations of human identity and expression and not inherently linked to mental illness. That's the transgender ideology right there. They're literally saying that a girl who says that she's a boy is a boy and that there's no inherent mental illness that's associated with that, no disorder that's associated with that. And therefore, any counseling practice that says, well, let's uncover why you're feeling like this. Let's try to heal you from this this trauma that's informing your dysphoria is supposed to be fraud. If your Republican representative falls for this, that is your test. That is your test. I personally love litmus tests like this. It helps us weed out the bad ones. The CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, is so full of it. This guy is like a smooth operator. He's like the level of Bill Clinton in pretending to be personable, pretending to be thoughtful, but actually wanting to control the world with really evil intentions. The CEO of BlackRock said he admitted that he's not going to use the phrase ESG anymore, even though BlackRock, as you know, has been one of the biggest propagators of ESG in the entire world. They are basically, BlackRock and Larry Fink are like the handmaid to... Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and their push for ESG. ESG, as you know, is a Chinese Communist Party style social credit score system for businesses that if you are not woke, if you don't pay for your employees to get abortions, if you don't try not to use fossil fuels, if you don't push for redistribution of wealth. If you are not completely bought into the woke ideology, if you don't hire Dylan Mulvaney as your spokesperson for your beer company, then you will get downgraded on your ESG score. If you're downgraded on your ESG score, then you will be you will face limited opportunities for uh, invest, investment. Whether this is companies investing in you, whether this is just your branding overall in the marketplace, whether this is social bullying, you, you will be punished if you do not have a high ESG score. This has all been propagated by BlackRock. It was the idea, the brainchild of the World Economic Forum, but Larry Fink is, maybe his name is really apropos here. Larry Fink has been one of the biggest propagators of this, but now he says he's not gonna use ESG as a word anymore, and this is his reason why. Take a listen.
2: Let me ask you about um, ESG. Uh You have been a big proponent of the importance of ESG And there's a governor in Florida. I can't remember his name, um, but he wasn't a big fan of that. Um, So has that your business been hurt by the state of Florida not supporting your ESG efforts? I don't use the word ESG anymore because it's been entirely weaponized. But it was weaponized by the far left and weaponized by the far right. So I'm not blaming one side or the other, but it's been totally weaponized. So we talk a lot about decarbonization. We talk a lot about governance when we have governance issues or, or social issues, if that's something that we, we need to address. Uh, so in my last CEO letter, the the, the phrase ESG was not uttered okay. once uh, because it's been unfortunately politicized, weaponized and all that. And um, um, yeah, our business was hurt. Um, we lost $4 billion of, of mandates uh, because of... Um, 90% misinformation. Did you pick up any from people that yeah. liked you more than? Yeah, we did. I mean, we uh, so net last year, BlackRock uh, raised a third of all asset flows in asset management. We were awarded $400 billion in net inflows. That's after netting the four. And in the United States, we, we were awarded over $200 billion in net flows. So we had a one of the best years ever. But I'm ashamed of being part of this uh, conversation.
1: Oh, poor Larry Fink. His own term has been weaponized by politics. He doesn't, he doesn't want to get near the far left or the far right. This guy is such a smooth operator. He's such a freaking liar, such a liar. Later in the interview, he lies. And he says, I never said I was ashamed. You and I just heard him say he was ashamed. I mean, we're, we didn't make that up. We heard him say, I'm ashamed to be part of this conversation. Later in the interview, he denies that he said that. He said, I never said I was ashamed. I'm not ashamed. He said, I do believe in conscientious capitalism. He said, I'm not going to use the word ESG because it's been misused by the far left and the far right. My friends, all this is, is Larry Fink's admission that what we've been doing Opening people's eyes about the reality of ESG has been working, it's been effective. That people, when they find out what ESG is and what it's intended to do and how powerful it is and the people behind it, how the people behind it are leveraging it against us and our values and our morals, people hate it. People reject it, they're scared of it, and rightfully so. And so he's rebranding it. All he's doing is redefining the word. He's still gonna be using it. He's just calling it conscientious capitalism. So if you hear that phrase, those two words, conscientious capitalism, it's ESG. He's just trying to trick you. And how do we know this for a fact? How do we know that he didn't have a change of heart, that he didn't have his eyes opened? Let me show you what Larry Fink said just a couple of months ago about what BlackRock is doing using ESG, like what what how they leverage ESG to control us. Take a listen to Larry Fink.
2: Well, behaviors are gonna to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock we are forcing behaviors
1: Oh, behaviors have to change, and you have to force behaviors to change, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors, and there you have it. That is Larry Fink. In fact, that's that's the perfect encapsulation of everything that Larry Fink stands for. He's not a businessman. He's not an investment banker. He is a political activist. He is a very powerful, he's almost an oligarch, really. He's almost an oligarch, given the enormity of the amount of wealth that BlackRock manages, $20 trillion, I believe, that he manages, and he's using this wealth to push and force and coerce the type of behavior that he wants, which is in alignment with ESG, environmentalist, social, very far leftist social things and governance. He doesn't believe in actual capitalism. He doesn't believe in a free market. He wants to force behaviors to change, which means forcing our values and our morals out of the marketplace unless we surrender them to him, unless we sell our soul to Larry Fink. Don't be misled by Larry Fink saying, oh, I don't use ESG. He just rebranded it. It's called conscientious capitalism now, and it means the exact same thing. You know what's looking pretty good is Governor Ron DeSantis's, and this isn't actually as governor, but his presidential platform for what he's going to do when he takes office regarding our southern border. I actually really like, I know I've made fun of Elizabeth Warren for this in the past, but I actually really like when political candidates for president have a plan for everything. I like to be very analytical. I like to see exactly what they're gonna do. I don't just wanna hear their morals and values. I want to hear that, but I don't just want to hear that. I want to hear how they are going to enact that, right? Like you may be a free market capitalist, and that's great, I'm glad to hear you say that, but how are you going to protect free market capitalism from the attack by ESG? The same thing with border security. I'm glad that you support border security, but how are you going to stop the influx of illegal aliens? How are you going to protect our sovereignty? What policies are you going to use to actually enact this? And Governor Ron DeSantis unveiled a new border plan. This was reported first by Bill Malugian. If we could show his tweet on the screen. This is what Bill Malugian reported. He said, Governor DeSantis' plan for the border includes mass deportations. DeSantis says Trump... The Trump administration failed to deliver on this promise. Uh, Border wall, partially funded by taxing remittances. I actually think that's a really good idea, taxing remittances, because that means everything that an illegal alien uh, earns in the United States and sends back to their home country, because that's what the majority of illegal aliens, that's what they do, they they send money back to their home country. But that has to cross our border, and so in order to cross our border, you would tax part of that to, to raise the funding for this border wall. To cut off funding, Federal funding of NGOs. This is also a good idea. I actually haven't heard this from other other candidates. I like that because oftentimes they are just activist groups for illegal aliens. End catch and release. That one's obvious, but good. Terminate all Biden administration executive authorities and end the use of parole. Good. Reject interpretation of US law that migrants who have entered the United States must be allowed in to be processed. They can be repelled. That's Sovereignty 101, he tells me. Yeah, that is actually a great one. That's one that we should not not gloss over. That's true, if someone, if someone crosses our border illegally, they do not have a right to stay here. They do not have a right to a, a court proceeding. They do not have a right to be in our country illegally. That's what the Remain in Mexico policy that the Trump administration utilized was all about. That you can claim asylum, sure, but it doesn't mean that you have a right to be released into our country as we are processing and adjudicating your asylum claim. That's one of the most powerful ones. Um, push to end birthright citizenship. I gotta tell you, I'm a little like squishy on this one because it's not the fault of the children being born in, in our country. Even if an illegal alien crosses the border and gives birth on our soil, it's not the fault of that child who's born here. I understand the concept of anchor babies and I understand that this, is, this provision in our constitution is exploited, but it's the parents that should be punished, not the child. Because if the child is not a citizen of the United States, if they're born here and they're also not a citizen of their, their parents' country of origin, what are they? Just a non-citizen? I don't even know how, exactly how that works. So this is not, I know this is a very popular thing in uh, the conservative movement right now, but I am just unsure about how this works. So I, I, I'm a question mark on this one. Uh, Malusion reports that DeSantis' new border plan would change the rules of engagement for versus uh, or against the cartels and smugglers and we're gonna come back to that one in a second because that's the one that I actually have uh, a bigger concern about. But also deputize state and local law enforcement to enforce immigration law, declare a national emergency on day one. And DeSantis said there will be a new sheriff in town on January uh, in January 2025. So all of this is great. I, I think all of this is great. My one hesitation aside from the birthright citizenship is changing the rules of engagement regarding the cartels and the smugglers This is essentially, what what DeSantis would do is he would allow border patrol agents to shoot cartels, to shoot smugglers if they were crossing our border, to kind of like shoot on site. And while that sounds really tough on the border, I'm not sure how that actually works. Right now, um, if a border patrol agent shot a cartel member who was crossing our border illegally, that border patrol agent could be be, uh, prosecuted for it. So there would have to be some major legal changes that happened before a president could simply declare the rules of engagement changed in that way. So otherwise border patrol agents wouldn't do it because they wouldn't be protected under the law if they were to engage, use deadly force. And there are, there are laws that govern how law enforcement is allowed to use deadly force. It has to be, um, the use of deadly force has to be only uh, against crimes, the commission of crimes that are a certain level of severity. Um, so. Again, a lot of law would have to change in order for that to work. We'd also essentially have to militarize our border because the cartels and the smugglers would just tit for tat, and we don't want to get into a tit for tat war with cartels that behead their enemies and smugglers that push children over the walls and beat people and rape people if they don't pay their passage. Like These are nasty, nasty cartels and and criminal gangs that we're talking about. We don't want to get into a tit for tat. It's basically... The same theory, if you're gonna go for the king, you need to kill the king. If we are going to actually militarize this, then we need to take those cartels out. Otherwise, escalating the violence at the border, I don't know if that's the right answer. Securing it, yes, escalating the violence, I don't know. Um, Other than that, this is a great plan. It's actually very strategic of Ron DeSantis to announce this plan. The candidate on either side of the aisle, who is the strongest on the border, is probably going to win the election. The border is a serious issue that the majority of Americans care about, and the majority of Americans, aside from the very far radical leftists, want our border secured. They understand that the opioid overdose and death crisis in our country stems from an open border. They understand that violence happening in Southern states stems from an open border. They understand that our sovereignty is at risk, that we don't have a nation if we don't have borders. And this can all be stopped. This is this is not just happening to us arbitrarily. This is happening as a direct result of decisions made by President Joe Biden. So the candidate that's the strongest against the border, I mean, you could argue that that's one of the reasons that President Trump won in 2016, because he was so strong about the border. He was so strong that even some Republicans were like, "Whoa, dude, it's a little. It's a little harsh to call for a complete shutdown of the U.S border until we figure out what the hell is going on. Trump's word's not mine. But the candidate, you could argue the candidate that is the strongest on the US border, maybe even on the Republican primary, is going to be the one that wins. It seems like DeSantis understands this. And I think his, his border plan looks pretty good. And now for one cool thing that my producers wanted you to see that I haven't even seen. So, shall we watch this together? Ready, set, go. From your heart, <laughs> Oh, man, look at that champion pianist over there. He didn't even didn't even miss a beat, even when the ficus attacked him. <laughs> it's like a church worship service, and the, the fake tree in the corner of the stage fell on the guy playing the piano or playing the drums. I guess he's playing on the drums. And now he's in a cage fight with it. This is like hand to hand combat happening over there. Oh my goodness. Someone tell him the story of David and Goliath. Quick, help him beat that tree. (laughs) And there it goes again. The singer doesn't even notice. That's the beauty of this whole video. She's just like praising the Lord. Doesn't even see the spiritual attack that's happening behind her. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a great way to end the show right there. Hopefully you're the singer in life and not the not the drummer facing the attack by the big tree. Thank you guys for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show.